0: Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Murder and Misery, our true crime podcast. We are your hosts, my name is Heather, and I know absolutely nothing about true crime.
1: And my name is Jillian, and I consider myself somewhat of a true crime expert. Yes,
0: Jill is our resident true crime expert. And we created this podcast so that Jill could teach me about all things true crime, both locally and nationally, and to take you guys along for the journey, so that if you too know nothing about true crime, you can learn something. Or maybe hear another perspective about stories you already know.
1: Okay, so this case was requested by our listener Ian. Um, He actually gets to fight for the spot of number one fan, though he rarely listens to the podcast. He does let me
0: use his computer to research stuff. So I just feel like... He's never going to hear this, so I'm just going to say <laughs> <Just talk laughs> there's sec. no way that he's our number one fan. Like He's literally listened to two episodes, I feel like. I, I would say maybe four episodes. Okay, well, we're on 30-something, I know. Ian, so you need to catch up, or otherwise there is no way that you're our number one fan.
1: Watch him tell his – he was telling his co-workers at the hospital about our podcast, and <laughs> watch this be the first episode they click on <laughs> Why would you recommend it if you've never listened? <laughs> yeah. Um, also, he just has faith in us, but... Um, oh, I don't... I think he's a good supporter, but he's clearly not that big of a fan. He's not getting the views up support-wise. Yeah. But he does give me money sometimes, which gives me the emotional capacity to research the podcast. Hey, whatever it takes. <laughs> okay. Um. But uh, I do have to say before we get started... This case mentions animal abuse, sexual abuse, and suicide, so listener discretion is advised. Um, We're going to start on January 7th of 1978 in Cove, Utah. This is when Heidi and John Keyes had their son Israel. Israel was the second oldest of 10 kids, and his family was a member of the Church of the Latter-day Saints.
0: A.K.A. the Mormons.
1: Yes, Um, They didn't believe in government interference, modern medicine, or even sending their kids to a public school, which I think is common in Mormonism.
0: Well, it depends. There are Mormons who send their kids to school, and then there are Mormons who homeschool. Mm -hmm. But there's also an important distinction between the Church of the Latter-day Saints and the Fundamentalist Church of the Latter-day Saints. The Fundamentalists are the ones who still practice polygamy, and the regular... Church of the Latter Day Saints does not. I will say that
1: though I do not believe they practice polygamy, they were most definitely fundamentalists. Okay. Um, at least that's what I'm gonna say because
0: they um actually I think that really frames your mind actually because the churches are pretty different. Well, and their beliefs are pretty different.
1: Yeah, they they're I would say they were extremists. Um, because when When Israel was just a toddler, his family moved to Colville, Washington, where they lived in the woods in a cabin, isolated, um, and didn't have heat or electricity. And they ended up leaving the church. And in the late 90s, they moved uh, around the country before they decided to settle in Maine near an Amish community and became Christian fundamentalists and joined a white supremacy church which okay. I have no words for,
0: but clearly they were um, extreme people. Yeah, I just know, like, the beliefs of the fundamentalist church are very different than the, quote-unquote, like, current yeah Mormon church.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of like with Pentecostals, too, because we have the uh, apostolic.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And, I mean, obviously, all there are all different types of beliefs within Christianity, um, but... They both call themselves Mormons, right. which makes it confusing because there are Mormons who are pretty regular people and have, like, pretty mild beliefs, mm-hmm. and then there are Mormons who have wild beliefs. Right. So I just wanted to point that out. But apparently we're talking about fundamentalist Mormons who fall on the more extreme side of the beliefs
1: racist. <laughs> well, And racists. Which I they are believe. also racist. I mean, I, I know that obviously they exist, but, like, I cannot imagine just, like, walking in a church on Sunday morning and everybody being racist. Like, that just blows my mind that places like that exist. And that's very sad. Um, yeah, yeah, it's
0: absolutely I, horrible. I mean, it just doesn't even make sense. No, like, it not It doesn't. literally does not make sense. They're confused. No, and I feel like they think Jesus was white, so. 100%. That's why I'm saying. <laughs> they're confused. Right. Like, they're, listen, we don't believe that. They are just, it's hard to understand
1: which I'm cool with Mormons, but when you throw any sort of white supremacy
0: into oh, yeah, anything, yeah. then it's like, okay, you have issues. Also cool with Mormons, um, but the white supremacy church is where I'm like drawing the line. Yeah. Well, also, you know, making your kid live out in the middle of nowhere with no Ten connection kids. to anybody That's is crazy. kind of, it's a little extreme. Yeah. It makes me wonder. I'm not saying I wouldn't be cool with you, but I would, I would at least wonder.
1: Well, you know what I mean. I'll let you know some of their friends that they kept her company with. Um, one of them, when they were living, you know, near the Amish community, was Chevy Kehoe, who uh, actually ended up committing a triple homicide to another family and is now serving three life sentences. So oh, that's the kind influences. of company yeah. that these people kept. Weird, uh, right?
0: That just doesn't feel right either. I'm, okay, I'm
1: confused by them. Yeah, um, when Israel was growing up, he was quite the problem child, which in the environment he was in does not shock me, um, because I don't know how you could not be a problem child when you're growing up with like horrible parents,
0: (laughs) but... um, Also, when you say problem child, that could mean a lot of different things in this setting, because I'm sure that they expected their children to be perfect little angels.
1: Yeah, yeah, which I mean... But to go in a little bit more depth, um, Israel would go hunting for pretty much anything that had a heartbeat and he would break into his neighbor's houses and steal their guns and he would torture animals, which like like we've said, serial killer one-on-one. Yes. Uh, during During his teenage years, he cut ties with his father after he told everyone that he didn't believe in their religion and was said to practice Satanism instead. But he was still close to his mom. After moving out, he joined the army in 1998. It was then that Israel it was said that Israel was a pretty good soldier, that he kept to himself and was quiet, but also that he was a heavy drinker. He went on to be honorably discharged in 2001, having no legal trouble or run-ins with law enforcement aside from one DUI he obtained while serving. Sometime around this time, uh, when he was still in the military, he met a a woman who was living on the macaw reservation which was um tribal land and a tribal reservation for the macaw tribe it, this was in northwest washington he ended up having a daughter with her in october of 2001 and moved on to the res- reservation to live with them for about six years before mm-hmm. him and his girlfriend ended up breaking up in 2007. after this breakup Israel started seeing someone else and then he moved to Anchorage, Alaska with his daughter and his new girlfriend. It was said that Israel was a loving, responsible father. He worked in construction and owned his own business. His girlfriend at the time was a nurse practitioner and overall they had a pretty average life. This is when I'm going to jump forward a bit to February 1st of 2012. This is when... big jump. Yeah. (laughs) When Samantha... Koenig, who was just 18 years old, was ending her shift at the Common Grounds coffee stand in Anchorage. Um, to give y'all an idea, this stand wasn't like a lemonade stand where it was like exposed, but um, for Heather or local people, it was similar to Kevlar coffee. Okay. Which for the non locals is basically like a shed that had a like window that people could walk up or drive up to, um, but no no place for like people to come inside and like sit down. Anyway, so she was ending her shift, and this is when she was approached by a man ordering a coffee and a ski mask. And I'm not sure if this was normal to wear a ski mask, because it is Alaska, and say, it might, was in the winter. It might be. Right, and it didn't say if if that was, like, normal, because I know it's cold, but... Um, I
0: feel like if it was normal, they wouldn't have made note of it, though. Well, maybe not, because she probably still wasn't able to identify him. Right. Yeah, it was just
1: weird. Like, I... It didn't say if she was startled when he like walked up to the window. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really know. Here in Missouri,
0: <laughs> I mean. You'd be more confused.
1: Yeah, for sure. But after he got his coffee, which also makes me feel like it wasn't that crazy because it's not like she slammed the window in his face. Yeah. Um. He demanded money and threatened her with a gun. He told her to turn the lights off in the coffee stand, I assume because of security cameras. He then got inside the stand and tied Samantha's hands together with zip ties and forced her into his vehicle. Samantha tried to escape, but failed. As I'm sure it was quite apparent this man was Israel Keys. Mm-hmm. Uh, while in the vehicle, assumed. Yeah, <laughs> Israel said that he was just kidnapping her so that he could get ransom money and that she would be returned safely to her family as long as she did everything that he asked. After several hours and even driving back to the stand to get Samantha's cell phone, Israel took Samantha back to his house, where he tied her up in his shed by the neck. He used Samantha's phone to text her boyfriend, who was supposed to be coming and picking her up after her shift. Israel texted him saying, quote, hey, I'm spending a couple days with friends, let me dad know, end quote. Israel then demanded that Samantha give him his address and once she did, he went to get Samantha's ATM card out of her boyfriend's truck. While he was stealing the cards, Samantha's boyfriend confronted Israel and while he was on edge because Samantha, one, wasn't at work and two, he had gotten a weird text from her, he didn't put two and two together and he just thought this was some random dude burglarizing his car. Mm -hmm. Samantha's boyfriend ran to get help and Israel fled. This is when they went back to his property, and he got a glass of wine after checking on his girlfriend and his daughter to make sure they were asleep. He went to the shed and sexually assaulted Samantha, then he unfortunately strangled her to death. After murdering Samantha, Israel placed her body in a cupboard in the shed and went back inside to pack for a cruise to New Orleans.
0: I did not expect her to die. I know, I'm sorry. No, I just... Well, you gave so many details about the things that he said and stuff that I just felt like that meant that she was the one that told us. No. So I just really felt like she was going to live. I know. And all of our, like, the past couple episodes haven't been, like, super horrific. This one's bad. Yeah. So. Well, I just thought, because you were like, and he told her that if she did everything that she was supposed to do, mm-hmm. she would live. So that made me feel like she was the one that shared that information. Yeah clearly not sorry it's Um, not going the way i expected it's gonna it's gonna i
1: know you and i know you're gonna be like what okay julie (laughs) i'm ready
0: i'm Um, not ready but i'm ready
1: (laughs) so after this he woke up his 10 year old daughter for school and went to the airport for his cruise all while samantha's body was still in his shed during this time which was a two-week cruise um The day after her abduction, Samantha was reported missing and the FBI got involved, but found nothing of significance. After his cruise on February 17th of 2012, Israel prepared a ransom note. He put makeup on Samantha's body and used a fishing line to sew her eyes open to make it appear as if she was still alive.
0: What the heck? Mm -hmm. That is so weird. And
1: then he held up a recent newspaper in front of the body and took a picture of it, which I saw the picture and is very eerie, um knowing. Uh he demanded thirty thousand dollars in a note attached to the picture. How and- have I never heard of this? I hadn't heard of it until last year. Wow. I believe I saw the picture trending on Reddit um a couple years back, but I didn't de- like dive deep into the story and figure out like all what happened. I just knew, hey, like this guy literally killed this person and took this photo and used it as a ransom note and she was, like, not alive in the photo. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I want to see the photo, but did she look like she was alive? She looked like she was severely beaten up.
0: Okay.
1: Um, like, her face looked like it was bruised, but it was a black and a white photo. Mm. Um, not, like, the best quality, you know? Mm-hmm. But I would say if you looked at it and you thought she was, like, alive, you would be, like, okay, like, she just got, like, beat up. But, like, when you look at it and it's like, okay, she's already passed away for two weeks in this photo, then it's like, wow.
0: Okay. I was just curious.
1: Yeah. But he left the note in the picture in a park and then took Samantha's phone and texted her boyfriend, quote, Connor, park sign, under the pick of Albert, ain't she purdy, end quote. After a few days, Israel dismembered and dumped Samantha's remains in the Matanuska Lake. During this time, the $30,000 was deposited into an account after being put together by the community. The instructions were for the family to put the money into Samantha's debit card account because obviously he wasn't going to put it in his own account and he already had her card. Uh, You know, he didn't want it to be traced back to him. Yeah. Soon after the money was deposited, Israel started using the card in Anchorage, then in Arizona, New Mexico, then Texas which let detectives know that he was moving east along I-10. Israel would withdraw money with his face covered, but made one mistake, which was in one of the earlier ATM withdrawals, when the camera picked up his rented white Ford Focus. A bolo for this car went out everywhere, and on March 13th, a Shepard Texas state trooper saw the car in a hotel parking lot. He waited for Israel to come out, then waited until he left, and then discreetly followed him until he started speeding. Israel was then pulled over during a traffic stop. Um, Police found blank bills that were stained with dye from a, a robbery, a gun, the ski mask used as a disguise, as well as Samantha's debit card and cell phone. Israel was then arrested. After his arrest, he admitted to abducting Samantha but said that he would not give any more details unless the police promised to keep this case out of the press because he didn't want his daughter to read about it. Which I'm saying, if you don't want your daughter to know you're a serial killer, probably shouldn't kill people. So, huh. On April 2nd, a few days after his confession, Samantha's body was found. Israel told police, quote, I'll tell you everything you want to know. I'll give it blow by blow if you want. I have lots more stories to tell, end quote. Gross. Mm-hmm. This is when police suspected that this was not a one-time incident. Israel actually confessed to murdering at least seven other people, aside from what? Samantha at the time. Seven other people? hmm At least. At the time. Sheesh. Israel said that his first victim was a young girl between the ages of 14 and 18, and said that this happened in Oregon while the girl was tubing with her friends. This was between 1996 and 1998. He said that he did not kill this girl, whose name was not revealed, though allegedly he had planned to kill her for a satanic ritual. But he said that he brutally sexually assaulted her at knife point, and then he let her go. But we don't know if this is true, or if the victim even reported the crime. When I say if this is true, I mean if he actually didn't kill her. Mm -hmm. Um, But this was said to be his first um, crime, And this is when he created an unspoken rule for himself that he would only kill people away from where he lived, so he traveled quite often. While traveling, he would find his victims randomly as to not create a pattern in places like campgrounds, hiking trails, parks, cemeteries, places like that. He also said that he would dispose of their bodies far away from the murder scene to add more distance and make it harder to connect. He actually would bury kill kits randomly while he was on vacation so that down the road, whether it be weeks, months, or years, he could dig up this and have everything that he needed right then and there. These kill kits contained things such as guns, supplies to get rid of the body, duct tape, shovels, rope, chemicals, and all of this made it obviously very hard because, say, he bought this stuff in Utah in 2002, he buried it. didn't come back there until 2005 like there's really no way to trace it because you can't just go to the local store and be like okay well who purchased rope recently you know that makes it very hard to connect the dots
0: what an interesting concept
1: yeah and i we we had talked a little bit in one of our earlier earlier episodes where you're like i think it was the sean hornbeck case because he had like traveled a little bit away and you're like i think it was i think it was that one you're like people usually don't kill outside of their fa- outside of where they live and i was just thinking of him that entire time and i completely forgot about it until ian brought it up which i don't know where he heard it from but that's yeah. who i was thinking of when I, because he literally would like just go
0: i think it's out of the norm though.
1: oh no totally is not normal and that's why they didn't catch him for so long mm-hmm. um because there was no pattern mm-hmm. it was like random and usually with serial killers i mean there is some sort of pattern like They only kill a specific type of person or wait till these times of night. But like he just did it anywhere, like randomly. It was disgusting. Um, Israel said that he had up to 12 of these kits buried across the country. And authorities believe that there are still some that have not been discovered. After his 2001 discharge from the army, when he moved in with his girlfriend and the mother of his child, is when he said his killing spree began. He said that the spree lasted from 2001 until 2012 when he was arrested. The FBI created a timeline of Israel's trips, which included about three dozen between 2004 and 2012. He made trips to Canada and Mexico, on top of traveling all over the United States, including, obviously, Alaska and Hawaii. It is suspected that Israel killed two teenage girls and one of the girls' mother between 1996 and 1998, though he said that, it didn't start until 2001. Huh. The identity and whereabouts of these two teenage girls have not been confirmed um, and are not known at this time that I know of. He claimed to have not killed anyone in the army but did confess to mul- multiple sexual assaults during this time in different countries. Israel, because he went on, like, deployment? Yeah. Uh, tour? I don't know what's it's called. Um, Israel admitted to committing a double homicide between... July of 2001 and 2005 in Washington, and mentioned two murders on top of the double homicide during that time frame. Israel also admitted to robbing banks in New York and Texas and breaking into homes in Texas. One specifically, he broke in in Texas and then burned it to the ground. Um, As I mentioned earlier, he had moved to Anchorage, Alaska, and started a construction business, but he frequently used work and visiting family as an excuse to leave um, and not take his daughter and his girlfriend. In April of 2009, Israel admitted to kidnapping and murdering a female who police believe may be Deborah Feldman on the East Coast and disposing of her body in upstate New York, though that was never confirmed. In June of 2011, he flew to Chicago where he rented a car drove to Vermont, and then looked for three days for his next victim. He already had kill kits in that area um, that he had put there years prior, and this is what he used to break into the home of Bill and Lorraine Courier, his only identified victims aside from Samantha. After breaking into their home, he kidnapped them and went to an abandoned farmhouse before ultimately shooting and killing Bill, who was just 49 at the time, and sexually assaulting Lorraine, his wife who was 55 before strangling her to death he said that he disposed of the weapon in a river and the FBI later recovered the gun and his kill kit near that location however as far as i'm aware to this day their bodies have still not been found wow and he also said that his preferred method of killing was strangulation because he liked to see like it slow and painful or something disgusting um i some people are just
0: I don't have a soul, Mm-mm. I don't get it,
1: and to know that he like ha it was like a dad. I don't i yeah, but he did try to and say it's that weird
0: because like he clearly had some care towards his daughter because he was like, I don't want my daughter to have to read about this. Mm-hmm. like he didn't want to like ruin her life, but he had no care in the world for anyone else's life, right. and he said it's that weird. because
1: of his daughter, he didn't kill like. Kids, but I don't believe that. (laughs) Like, you know? um, Especially because, like, a teenager is still a kid.
0: I'm just... It's such, like, a weird thought process. All of it. Like, creating the kits and, like, waiting to come back for years and, like... I don't know. You had so much time to change your mind, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, like... how he like rented a car in chicago and then drove to vermont like i mean i that just goes to show like the
0: the extent that he took it and that he thought about it Mm -hmm. It, like it was never just on the fly like he planned all of this meticulously right yeah um israel is also a suspect
1: in the disappearance of an electrician named jimmy tidewell from texas he disappeared on february 15th 2012 Though it cannot be confirmed that he was a victim, it is believed he was responsible for robbing 20 to 30 homes across the United States and robbing several banks, as well as being a serial rapist. He was responsible for the death of at least 11 and possibly more outside of the country. During his interviews over the span of several months, prior to his arrest, it was a real back and forth like he was very conscious of what information he was giving Mm -hmm. and police kept most of it hidden in may of 2012 israel attempted to escape from a courtroom after breaking his leg restraint but thankfully he was stopped police believe that there are more victims and apparently israel had drawn pictures of skulls in his cell labeled as we are one he drew the pictures using his blood as a paint But unfortunately, before police could continue their investigation and try to find the identities of more victims, their interviewing process was cut short as Israel had committed suicide in his cell with a razor blade that he had snuck into his cell. Though his other victims have not been identified, I do want to recommend that anybody who is interested in hearing more about Israel Keys and his possible victims to check out the podcast, True Crime Bull, S-H-I-T. Um, It's hosted by Josh Hallmark, who I met last year in Kansas City at the True Crime Podcast Festival, and his entire podcast is dedicated solely to Israel Keys. aside from season three, I think was a different lady, but now he's on like season five, um, Back to Israel. So he's done an amazing job tracking down and like piecing things together and looking at like what missing person report happened during this time and could it possibly be a connection? Um, it's very interesting, and he's definitely, yeah, he's definitely done his due diligence and researching, um, just on top of him being a really nice person, so I definitely recommend checking out his podcast if that is something you would be interested in learning more about. So, yes, that was the chilling case of Israel Keys.
0: That guy is, like, a special kind of evil, Mm -hmm. I feel like.
1: Yeah, I couldn't find any information on his, like, kid, which I, I don't... Blame. Probably a good thing. Yeah. I just can't imagine finding out, you know, that's who your your father
0: was. It's so I don't know, it's like very hard to wrap your head around that he was he planned everything so much and was like so careful and even whenever he'd been caught, he was still like paying attention to the things he said and made sure that they couldn't like put everything together kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Like it's just so crazy yeah like up until the end he was still you know, too good i guess well and like a
1: lot of people suspect that too good at being evil well he a lot of people suspect that like that was well obviously it was a mistake to kill anybody but that was the re- reason he got caught is because he killed somebody in his state and that was his number one rule not to do yeah. And so imagine if he hadn't done that and he would still just be traveling the country. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh, it's so scary.
0: Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah. I just, I don't think that white supremacist churches are any good. And I also think that the fundamentalist Mormons are highly questionable. Um, but I don't think that they caused that. I really think that that is the kind of thing that you can't stop yeah you know what I mean
1: like you mean like somebody's born that evil
0: mm-hmm. yeah and I don't know I mean
1: like I do know that childhood trauma plays a big role I do too into some of that but I know people who are traumatized as a child and they're not serial killers
0: that's so. but that's like way more than just being a serial killer yeah you know what I mean like I never knew that there were like distinct tears of serial killers Mm -hmm. But that is, like, so different than, like, you were saying, like, somebody who is triggered by men walking dogs. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That's very different. Yeah.
1: And, like, I mean, and it's not even, like, he chose a specific demographic. It was, like, he Mm -hmm. killed everybody old,
0: young men, women. In the name of Satanism.
1: Yeah. Which is alleged. Which, that is a completely different thing because, like... I'm not. We're not trying to say that people that are Saintness go out and like try to kill people for rituals, but like that is a different breed. Yeah. Of.
0: No, I agree. Crazy. I think that's like. Yeah. The extreme end of that as well. So like, I just I don't know. I, I don't know what to say because I'm like
1: shocked. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like that, and I know not everybody believes this, but I feel like that's when you could get into the realm of like, was he possessed? Because. <laughs> I mean, like, I Honestly, just can't, though. Honestly, I can't
0: though. comprehend a human being capable of that, but... Like, never having empathy, except for for his daughter, mm-hmm. once it was too late. Right. Yeah. Disgusting. That, yeah. Not sad
1: he's dead. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> but, like, I'm not. I, no,
0: I get it. I just...
1: I don't know. It's, it is, I will say it is upsetting I that... I don't
0: like saying things like that.
1: Well, it's upsetting that they could not, you know, get more information before that happened because they're still It seems like they victims. wouldn't have gotten it anyway. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just, you know, I wish,
0: because obviously, you know, a lot of them they are still. I had more closure too, but. Right. Just based on how he, like you said, were he was still very careful about the things that he said and how he said them and all of that, I don't think that he would have just been like, oh, yeah, let me tell you all my stories. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I don't know that he ever would have gotten to that point. No. That is the type of person who scares me to my core. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, that is the type of story that, like, hopefully, well, not literally, but, like, figuratively keeps me up at night and, like, something that I think about and, like, probably the reason why I'm afraid of random people for no good reason. Like, this is the kind of evil that I can't comprehend exists in the world and scares the crap out of me.
1: And I, well, I can't believe that it wasn't more widely heard about. I know, I don't expect you to, like, hear I know, about I know. things, but, like, I can't believe I didn't hear about it until last year. Yeah. You know, I know I'd seen the picture before, but, like, you know, I, I listen to a lot of true crime stuff, and I just haven't heard a lot of people talk about him. Um, and I, some of the articles were like, this is, like, the most brutal, meticulous serial killer you probably never heard of. It's yeah. like,
0: yeah. Well, then, too. If you think about like what he did with Samantha, mm-hmm. like it makes you wonder what he did with other victims because right. that was like awful. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, disgusting.
0: I feel horrible for her parents or her family because they thought she was alive. yeah. And then to find out that whenever you had hope there really was none, mm-hmm. like that sucks.
1: Yeah, that's kind of like the Lindbergh kidnapping, too, because... Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the same thing.
1: Know, they were looking for he had all this that time. That baby had, was gone the whole time. Right. Ugh, horrible. Well, our um, condolences go out to all of the victims involved. Um, Known and the unknown. Exactly.
0: I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> it's hard to even talk about because it's, like, hard to fathom. Yeah. But anyway, you know where to find us. And if you haven't yet, please follow us on our social medias, on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. And we will be back together with another episode next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.